0: Thanks, Cat And uh, lovely to be here. It is um, uh, one of the great things about um, being able to uh, work at college that so, uh, I've got the flexibility to come and be supportive uh, and got, uh, might have a holiday, uh, so it's a good thing. Uh, please keep your Bibles open there, page 1002. Uh, we're going to be looking at this first uh, section of Mark chapter 2. A number of years ago, I was watching the TV news and uh, as we were watching it, there was uh, a house on the news. And I thought, hang on, I know that house. It was a house that uh, we used to drive past at least twice a day going to and from school. And so we, we knew where this was As we, we watched it. Unfortunately, the reason this house was on the news was because there'd been a murder there. And so from then on, as we drove to and from school, passed this house at least twice a day, uh, in the car it became known as the Murder House. About 18 months later, uh, there was the for sale sign up in front of the, of the house. But they didn't put anything on there about you know, this being the Murder House. Mm-hmm. Uh, houses uh, have a lot of significance for us, don't they? Uh, they're the places we grow up in. Uh, they carry a whole sack of memories for us. Uh, for each of us, I'm sure you'd be able to say, yes, that that house was significant. G'day, How you go? Houses are, are important. And this morning in this first section of Mark chapter 2, we're going to see two houses. And what goes on there carries with us something very significant. So uh, so have your Bibles open there. Uh, Pick it up at the start of uh, Mark chapter two. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. Uh, Jesus had been traveling throughout Galilee, uh, preaching and teaching and healing, and now he's back in Capernaum. Uh, And although Jesus grew up in Nazareth, uh, when he began his public ministry, he moved to Capernaum. And the last time Jesus was in Capernaum, the whole town had come to its doorstep so that he could heal people uh, of all their sicknesses and diseases. And that's what's been going on all the way through chapter 1, isn't it? As you've been looking at Mark's Gospel, uh, people come to Jesus to be healed. Uh, a man possessed by an unclean spirit. Remember, uh, Peter's mother-in-law is healed of the fever that was going to kill her. Uh, the man is healed of his leprosy. And now, people have heard Jesus is back in Capernaum. So let's see what happens. Uh, verse 2. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. So men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it. And then lowered the man. The man was lying on. This is just like the last time that Jesus was in Capernaum. Uh, people are everywhere. Uh, so many people that they can't get this paralyzed man to Jesus because of the crowd. But these four fabulous friends won't be stopped, will they? Nothing will get in the way of them getting their friend to Jesus. Now at this point. What do you reckon the four fabulous friends are hoping for? What's the, what's the paralysed man hoping for? And as readers, knowing what's happened in chapter one, what are we expecting will happen? The fabulous friends, the paralysed man, ask us, We're expecting Jesus to heal the man. But what happens? Look at verse five. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralysed man, son, your sins are forgiven. What a strange thing to say. The four his friends, the the paralysed man, us as readers, surely we want the man to be able to walk again. But Jesus wants to focus on his sins. What an odd thing to say. But not only is it an odd thing to say, it's also a dangerous thing to say. See there in verse 6? Now, some teachers of the law were all sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? The religious leaders who are there, they hear what Jesus says, and it makes their blood boil. In the Jewish culture of the day, it was only God who had the power and right to forgive sins. To claim that for yourself, was blasphemy that narrated the death penalty. So the religious leaders are exactly right in their comments. Mm-hmm. Only God can forgive sin. Imagine for a moment, you know, I, I come to your place and I bring my, uh, my jerry can of petrol with me and i pour petrol all over your house, and then throw a match on it, and sit back and watch it burn. Now, after the firings have come, and put out things, and cleaned up the mess, when the police turn up, and they say to you, you do you want to press charges for malicious damage? Only you have the right to say no. No, I forgive you. I've done this against you, and so only you have the right to say, I forgive you. Only God has the right to forgive sin, because ultimately all sin is against God. Only God has the right to forgive sin, because ultimately all sin is against God. Now that raises the question: Now, well, what is sin? Uh, Because the reality is, most of us don't go around torching other people's homes, do we? Uh, I hope you don't do that to each other as a sign of your affection for each other. So, what's sin? Well, think about the 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 500 um, last month. Uh, Maybe some of you went. Uh, Imagine. The dro- one of the drivers pulls in for a pit stop, uh, and you come down out of the stands, and you say to the driver, get out, I'm driving now. And so you take the V out, out, onto the track, take it for a spin. You've taken the place of a rightful driver, you've said, I'm driving now, because actually I think I can do a better job. God is the rightful driver of our lives. God gives us life. God gives us everything good that we enjoy in life. And yet we've told God to get out of the driver's seat and I'm going to drive now because I think I can do a better job. So sin is primarily that attitude that says, God, I'm in charge and you're not because I'm going to do a better job. The problem is that when I think I'm in charge of life and you think you're in charge of life and everybody else thinks that they're in charge of life, it's inevitable that we're going to fuck heads, aren't we? Because we can't all be right. Only God has the right to forgive sin because ultimately all sin is against God. But we've all sinned. Get out of the driver's seat. So these religious leaders are, they're on, at one level, they're right. Um, Well, let's see what's going to happen. Have a look there at verse 8, please. Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier? To say to this paralyzed man, Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Now think about it. If I say to you, your sins are forgiven, how do you know whether that's what something's happened? But to say to a paralyzed man, get up and walk, you're going to know one way or the other, aren't you? It's either going to happen or it's not. Think how difficult that is to do. My mum in her working life uh, was an OT, occupational therapist. Uh, She spent quite a number of years working for what was then known as the Crippled Children's Society. So uh, each day she'd go to work and she'd work with children and teenagers uh, whose bodies wouldn't allow them to walk. Imagine how cruel it would be for my mum to say to one of those kids, Get up and walk, when she had no capacity to actually change their bodies. How cruel would that be? Yet here is Jesus saying to these religious leaders, Which is easy, to say, Your sins are forgiven, or Get up and walk? We'll pick it up there in verse 10. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out, and took view of the, of the this amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we've never seen anything like this. Jesus wants people to know that he has authority to forgive sins. Think how difficult it is to tell a paralytic to get up and walk. If Jesus can do that, then of course he can forgive sin. Jesus has the authority to forgive sin. But hang on, the religious leaders were saying only God can forgive sin alone. They accuse Jesus of blasphemy. And they're right. Except that Jesus has just demonstrated that he has the authority to forgive sin. Only God can forgive sin. Jesus has demonstrated he has the authority to forgive sin. And as readers, we're meant to put two and two together about who Jesus is. Jesus is demonstrating that he is God. The actually moves on. Uh, look at verse 13. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. Um, there's a Levi set up uh, collecting taxes. People going by, uh, a bit like uh, the toll gates at the, the bottom of the, the freeway, going up into the hills. Uh, when they were first set up in 1841, uh, they were there to collect a road tax. Uh, only lasted for six years. People got sick of it. Uh, but Levi's doing something similar here, uh, as mirror said in the in the kids' talk. Uh, Levi, as a tax collector would have been despised by his own people because he was working for the occupying Roman Empire. So he was seen as a traitor, somebody who would exploit his own people to make money. But Levi leaves that behind to follow Jesus. Look back to this. Verse 15. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, Many tax collectors and sinners were dealing with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him dealing with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? In the ancient world, to, to sit down and eat with someone was very significant. It was more than just a social occasion, it was a way of saying, I accept you. I embrace you. we're, we're on good terms. You, you're almost family. I embrace you. You're one of us. And here is Jesus beating the collectors and sinners, the unreligious ones, the ceremonially unclean, the people who didn't follow the religious rules. And they're the ones Jesus is beating with. We all friends. Jesus is signalling, I accept you. I embrace you. And yeah, why did Jesus do that? See there in verse 17? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. My wife works in an emergency department of a hospital. You only go to the emergency department if something's seriously wrong. Of course, that means that um, the people who don't go are middle-aged men, because there's never anything wrong with us, is there? Um, of course, except when you get a bit of man flu and then the, the whole world is going in. Jesus has come for people who realise, yep, I need help. There's something wrong and I need help. I've been in the steering wheel of my life and I thought I was doing a good job, but I'm out of the But people who realise they need a doctor, Jesus demonstrates is for them. He beats with tax collectors and sinners. He's showing, I embrace you, I accept you. And as Mark's biography of Jesus unfolds, he's going to show us how Jesus does that, how Jesus deals with our sin. <laughs> We've seen action in two houses here. Jesus' house in Capernaum, Levi's house. And both houses show something really important. In Jesus' house, we see him healing the parable to show that he has the authority to do sin the authority to forgive sin belongs only to God. And by showing him the authority to forgive sin, Jesus is showing that he is God. In Levi's house, not only do we see that Jesus has the authority to forgive sin, but that he has come to call sinners to himself. Jesus wants to draw people to himself, those who realise they need him. He wants to and welcome them and put things right them, with people who know they've been out of sleep with God. Well, what are the, what's the implications of all this? First implication. Jesus is saying that he's come for people who realise they know the doctor. So the question is, do you realise that you're sick? that you're spiritually sick. Uh, perhaps the rest of life is in good work order. Uh, work's okay, family's okay, spends all night on Tuesdays, in the pub's okay. But where's God in the picture? Are you still at the steering wheel of your life? If you're running your life and God's not at the steering wheel, the diagnosis is that you are spiritually sick and you need to sort things out You need the forgiveness that Jesus offers. You you might be sitting there thinking, well, hang on, isn't it God's job to forgive people? (coughs) I mean, I I know I'm not perfect, nobody is, um, but I'm okay. I'm sure there's the minor stuff, but surely God will love that minor stuff after all. That's his job, to forgive people. about me coming to your place with my jerry can again. If I go and torch your house, are you under any obligation to forgive me? Why? If we have booted God out of the driver's seat of our lives, is God under any obligation to forgive us? No, he's not. He longs to forgive people, he wants to forgive people. He's under no obligation to do it. Jesus says, I've come for those who know that they are spiritually sick, who know that they need a doctor. For those who refuse, those who don't see the need, Jesus respects that. Jesus has come for those who know they need a doctor. For the So, do you hear the diagnosis? Perhaps this morning is a wake up call for you. And then you get in touch with Dr. Drew. Coming to church here Trinity Grove, I know uh, people are really keen to, to, um, to help the work through uh, that. So, whether that's with uh, a friend who might have brought you or uh, one of the regulars here, um, or even if you're a chaplain, you know, they might be very happy to talk about it. Second implication, I think it comes out of this morning, is uh, what's your picture of God? What's your picture of God? Uh, maybe you've got that, that picture of God that he's uh, an old man with a long white beard sitting in his rocking chair, um, that he's is distant, uh, that is out of touch, that is irrelevant, uh, that is not engaged in life. Or maybe your schooling uh, left you with a picture of God uh, that is the, the heavenly policeman trying might spot it and stop it. Uh, that you know it's all about you know having to keep the rules. And your experience of school, so if you think, well, if that's what God's like and that's what religion's like, well, I want nothing to do with <coughs> them. I understand But this morning should help us reconsider what our picture of God is. Here we have Jesus going to levising us. Jesus is having a meal with these irreligious people, normal, ordinary people. And it's a picture of God, a God who wants to engage with us, a God who wants to draw near to us. It's a picture of God who is for people, not against them. God wants each of us to draw near. God wants the very best for us. So I hope as you you, you see Jesus in action, you might begin to reshape your picture of who God is. Third implication. This morning we've seen uh, who Jesus is, that he has the authority to forgive sins. (coughs) That means when we genuinely say that Jesus is, I'm sorry, I've messed up again, because Jesus has the authority to forgive sins, when he forgives, you're completely forgiven. Now you might think, well, uh, if you knew me, how could Jesus forgive me when when I keep doing the same stuff over and over and over again? Or maybe you you do say sorry to Jesus and you think, has he really forgiven me all that? Or maybe you're thinking, okay, I know that I've messed up, but I'll I'll, I'll fix it up, God. I'll, I'll do all this stuff and... Surely I can get into good books again. Because Jesus has the authority to forgive sins, your sin is dealt with completely. It is completely forgiven. So when you've been selfish and you know, you've forgotten to love and serve your spouse, when you ask Jesus to forgive you, he forgives completely when you're struggling with same-sex attraction and it leads you into online videos when you ask Jesus to forgive you he forgives completely when those angry words jump out of your mouth again when you ask Jesus to forgive you he forgives completely Because Jesus has the authority to forgive sin, your sin is dealt with completely. However ingrained your sin, whatever you've done, whatever doubts you have, Jesus forgives completely. Last implication. This morning also provides us with a couple of really good examples about our houses, our homes. In the home in Capernaum, we see Jesus. What does he do? He opens his home so that people can hear. Jesus. in the house of this morning, it was a Levi's house. What does he do? He opens his home so that people can meet Jesus. Hospitality. Opening our homes can be used in two really significant ways. So that people can meet Jesus for the first time, so that people can grow in their understanding of God's it, And that's a really helpful example, I think, for us. How can we use our houses that God has provided so that people can meet Jesus for the first time, so that people can keep growing in their love of God? Uh, for us at the moment, it looks like uh, we, every second Tuesday, the youth group leaders, um, there's uh, ten of them, young adults, uh, they come to our place and we have a meal together. Uh, and then we, after we've had the meal, we uh, do Bible study and uh, pray together and look after each other. Uh, so there we are, you know, ten or twelve of us huddled around the kitchen table, uh, and it's just a terrific time. You know, great time for the leaders to be able to uh, build their. their sense of teamwork, team spirit together as they serve in ministry. Hospitality is one of those great ways that God's people can demonstrate love. And in a society in which having people into your home is becoming less and less frequent, uh, this is going to be one of, I think, one of the distinguishing markers for God's people in the future, that we exercise hospitality. Thank so, Giving you back to a place. How is it that you might be able to use it so that people can hear about Jesus or grow in their love of God as you open God's word together? My brothers and sisters, Jesus has the authority to forgive sin. And by his actions he demonstrates he is for people. Because he is the doctor who has come, for those who know the let That's pray. Okay. Our great God, uh, we just want to uh, be honest and realize that we do mess up and each of us at different points uh, don't treat you as the one who goes the right be driving our life. Please forgive us. Thank you for Jesus and thank you that he has come for those who know that they need God. So please help us to trust him. Amen.